0: head nursery tonight. Acts chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 1 here in a few minutes. Um, I didn't have tons of, of warning, which is fine. I knew the pastor was going to be super tied up, so when he asked me the other night, for sure, something I'd like to do. But um, I need a little bit of help from the kids first, and then if from the adults if they can't help me out enough, all right? This has to do with the message. This isn't, this isn't just a, a joke like Mr. Nitton gives. This, ha- this has to do with the message. No. I need the kids to help me with some ingredients that you would have or that you would need if you're going to bake a cake. Think of some ingredients that you would need. Alex? Eggs? Emma? Flour. Johan? Sugar. Jackson? Frogs. Oh, icing? Well, you would make, well, I guess you could buy the icing. Brother Bill? Coconut. Coconut? Got to have coconut in that cake. So you add all those ingredients together. If one of them's missing, what happens? What if the eggs are missing? And now I need the ladies to help me because I don't know what it actually looks like if the eggs are missing. Brother Josh? Flat like a pancake. If you're missing the flour, you got nothing. You got nothing. I actually have to tell you a funny story. My brother might remember this, but when me and not you, but me and my brother Johnny, who are he's between me and Pastor, um, I don't know how old we were, but it was Valentine's Day, and we decided to make a cake for my mom, and. Uh, I don't know, we obviously had never seen it before, or apparently never seen her grab a recipe and make it, she just always just did it. So we had no recipe, we had a, she always used a bunt pan for her cakes, so we got the bunt pan out, and we, I don't even remember what we put in there, but it wasn't what needed to be in there. We put sugar for sure, and we wanted it to be pink for Valentine's Day, so we put food color in. And maybe some, some flour. I don't know what else was in it. But I do remember that when we went to bake it, it didn't bake. It was just running everywhere out the bottom of the bun- pan. And so probably six and eight years old. I don't know how old we were. But our best, next best guess was, well, we got to get it hard. Let's freeze it. So we stuck it in the freezer. And when she got home, she had, she had us throw the pan and everything away. It was a total loss. We didn't have the right ingredients. Tonight we're going to talk about the ingredients that make a great church. And I was going to use another passage, uh, but I've actually changed it. I'm going to use Acts chapter 13. Uh, does anybody know, without looking if you haven't already, what church we have in Acts chapter 13? What church? Church at Antioch. Okay so we're going to talk about some ingredients that the Church of Antioch had that made them a great church, and we'll see at the end uh, with the last point that we have the church at Antioch was a great church and it wasn't uh, it was it was a byproduct of the church at Jerusalem. It wasn't the first church, but it was a great church and Acts chapter 13 and a few pa- uh, chapters past thirteen will show us that. So let's pray and then we'll get right into the message and look at. The ingredients that make a great church. Father, I thank you for the day you've given us. God, I, I do thank you for the opportunity to open your word and to uh, feed your people. God, it's, it's something that is a great privilege. It's a great responsibility to open your word and to teach from it. And I pray that you'd guide my uh, words as I, as I preach and that you would uh, just give those that are listening ears to hear and we can make changes in our lives where we need to and as a church, that we would be able to hear you uh, say that we are a great church uh, by implementing some of these things out of uh, examples from the church of Antioch. Pray that you would give us a, a good night tonight, a good service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Acts chapter 13, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 to start off. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And I, I've read that passage a whole bunch of times, that verse, uh, Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. So I went and looked that up. This guy was actually the, basically the foster brother of a Herod. And now he's in the church at Antioch. So kind of an interesting uh, thing. Uh, verse 2, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Um, Before we get started into the actual ingredients of what makes a great church, why do we need to have a church that we don't have people, we don't aren't interested in people walking around saying that's a great church. But what makes a church great in the eyes of God? And why? Why do we want it to be great? If you turn to uh, Acts chapter 20, it's just a few pages over. Keep your finger in chapter 13 because we're going to be back there. But Acts chapter 20, uh, we're going to read that here in a minute. Why is it so important that we have a great, a solid church? Before I read that, what, what do we think in our minds that makes a great church? Is it the music and these are rhetorical questions. We know it's, it's not. But is it the music? And some churches have really great, big orchestras. Maybe you've even been a part of them. Big orchestras and, and uh, big choirs. Is that what makes a church great? It's not. It's nice to have. But that's not what makes a church great. Is it the building that it's in? Is it the money that the church has? Some churches have a lot of uh, businessmen in it or wealthy people, and they have lots of money to be able to do big programs and, and fund certain things. Is that what makes a church great? Uh, is it the people? Is it the people in that church that have certain sway in a community? Um, is it the sound and the graphics? Brother Josh would like to think so. Is that what makes a church great? Uh, is it the pastor? And we'll see here in Acts chapter 13 and, and, and beyond, that's not what makes a church great. And, and uh, it's, it's a few things that are a lot deeper than that, a lot more important uh, than that. But Matthew, uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, and i got to get there myself because I did not write all these verses down. I don't preach from an iPad like Pastor does because I can't find my way through it and uh, get everything on there that I need. It takes me longer to figure out how to use the iPad than to just write it down, so I don't use it. But Acts chapter 20, verse 28, this is why it's important that we have a church that is great in the eyes of God. Because it's so important to him, his churches. Verse 28 says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which... The Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. If Jesus Christ was willing to purchase the church with his own blood, it shows you how important the church is to him. So we're going to get right into these ingredients. I promise, I promise, because I'll probably never get to preach again. I'm not going to be super long. So I'm watching my clock. And I almost, I almost had one of the kids help me when it hits 30 minutes, raise your hand and I'm going to stop, but we won't do that. But I am watching my clock. First ingredient that makes a great church is the preaching. So I actually want you to go back to Acts chapter 11. Not just the preaching, preaching in general. Preaching is so important in a church, and that is what makes a great church. Acts chapter 11, verse 19 and 20 says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis, and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Interesting that the Jews went as they were scattered because of the persecutions preached to, this, to these men from Cyprus and Cyrene. And then they went and preached in their home countries. And one of those countries happened to be, or those cities happened to be Antioch. And that's where we get the church at Antioch starting they spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. But they were preaching. The church in Antioch was founded because of preaching. Um, Think about what our missionaries are doing when they go to the field. It's important that they have some kind of, a a lot of them teach English just so they can keep their visa and stay in the country. Uh, Some of them go as they were previously, maybe a doctor or something like that. They set up a clinic so that they can stay in the country that way. But their goal is not to take water to people. Their goal is not to specifically deal with the medical issues of people. Their goal is to get there and to preach. And that's why when you hear a missionary come in, uh, the Shavers were just here. You heard him how important it was for him to, I got to get there and learn the language so that he can preach. It's not just so he can you know, fit into that country. It's so that he can get up and he can preach the word of God in their language. Preaching uh, is is. One of the biggest things that makes a great church. And it's interesting also, if you, all the way through the Bible, the New Testament, if you listen to the message that is being preached, it's that Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried, rose again, and he's coming again. That is the message that was preached. Now, Paul preached doctrine, but that was more teaching. When he preached, he was preaching, even when he went to Mars Hill and said, I know this This God that you're looking for, he preached Jesus Christ, death, burial, resurrection, and his second coming. And it's interesting that 2,000 years later, we're preaching the same exact message in a good Bible-believing church. That is the message. And it's not just preaching in the church. We should be preaching, sharing the good message of the gospel to those that we are working with, those that we come in contact with. And that's what we do on Saturdays when we're knocking on doors, that's what we do to our neighbors. Hey, let me bring, let me bring you to church because they need to hear that message. Uh, and, and I'm not going to preach a message on this, but the problem we have, and pastor has preached whole messages on this in our churches today, is that churches want to be entertainment centers. Uh, they're afraid that if they do preach, they'll chase everybody out. We need to hear preaching, and that's why those churches are not, in the eyes of God, great churches good churches, uh, because they're afraid to preach the Word of God. Uh, you'll hear it all the time. You know, if you, if you pass thirty minute, the 30-minute mark, people, you know, they get bored. They can't sit there. But I'm telling you, when you sit and watch a baseball game, right, Jackson? You sit there for four hours and watch the Cubs play, right? And there's nothing wrong with it. But when it's something we're interested in, we have no problem sitting there and watching it. Think about, you know, if somebody goes to the movie theater. I don't know if, I don't know if there is movies shorter than two hours. They're about two hours long, right? They sit there and don't make a sound. If somebody does make a sound, everybody turns around and tells them to shush, right? For two hours, but it comes to church. And if it's longer than 15 minutes, everybody starts fidgeting and looking at their clocks. Why is that? Because it's not important to us. But for a great church, preaching is extremely important. Uh, the, The emphasis in a church should be on the preaching. Uh, and we've heard this preach, but the music should be leading those in the church to prepare their hearts for the preaching. Um, the church of Antioch was founded on preaching, but then I'm going to look at a few verses real quick. The church at Antioch continued to preach. Chapter 13, verse 5, and we'll go through these really quickly. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Verse 38 of chapter 13. says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Verse 42, And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Chapter 14, verse 7, And there they preached the gospel. Chapter 14, verse 15, And saying, Sirs, why do you these things? We also are men of like passage with you, and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. Verse twenty-one of chapter fourteen. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Verse twenty-five. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Adelia or Italia. But they continued to preach, and you'll see that some of these. This is this is uh, Paul. And Barnabas. But in chapter 13, verse 2, remember where they came out of? Uh, or verse 3, and when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them. But in verse 2, they sent Paul and Barnabas. So these guys are out of the church at Antioch, and they're out preaching. But the church at Antioch was founded on preaching, and then it continued. they continued to preach. And what are the reasons for preaching? I think sometimes, you know, people go to a preaching conference, and they, they like to get screamed at, you know, which is fine, you know. Nice holler and you know good good hot message, but that's not what good preaching is. That's not what the church is, is founded on. What are the reasons for preaching? And you don't have to turn there. I will. 1 Corinthians chapter one verse twenty one. Preaching is for the salvation of men's souls. Verse twenty one of chapter uh, first Corinthians chapter one. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. To save them that believe. That's what preaching is for. It's not to uh, you know, hear a guy get up and say, boy, he, he let it rip. That's fine. But that's not what preaching is for. It's to see souls saved. It's also for revival. Remember when Jonah went to the Ninevites, he preached. And their hearts were turned, back, turned to God. Uh, and, and as you go through history, all the uh, revivals that were that we had in our country or in England or, or any revival that you would read on, there was an emphasis on preaching. They preached purity, they preached holiness, and they preached uh, salvation. But Paul also told Timothy to preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Always preaching. Preach the word. That is the one point that he made sure Timothy knew. You've got to preach. Uh, so there's always a need for, for strong preaching. But that's the first ingredient of a, of a great church. Second ingredient is... It's a soul winning church. So go back to Acts chapter 11. And verse 20. The soul winning church. Acts chapter 11 verse 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Which when they were come to Antioch. Spake unto the Grecians. Preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed. And turned unto the Lord. And then verse 24. For he was a good man. And full of the Holy Ghost. And of faith. And much people. Was added unto the church. It was a soul winning church. And. I don't have to, you're here on Wednesday night, um, most of us are out on Saturdays, knocking on doors. We're, we're a soul winning church. And I'm not, uh, I, I'm certainly not preaching at us right tonight. I'm reminding us that these things are important to, to have a great church. We don't do them because, no, that's just, that's just what Baptists do. It, this is what's important to have a great church. This is what the church is. Uh, a great church is about doing God's business, and that's what his business was. Uh, remember when, when Jesus was a child, 12 years old, his mom said, What are you doing? And he said, I must be about my father's business. That's what he was doing in the temple. That's what our church should be about, God's uh, work. And when we give our mission money, we are obeying the great commission that God commanded us going to go into all the world. We can't go. We, we hear this all the time. We can't go ourselves. We can't go to every place in the world. But we can send people with our money. And that's what we do. That's what our church does. Um, The church is called to preach the gospel. But the whole purpose of the church is lost if that preaching isn't turned into service. If we could come to church and hear hear preaching all day long about what we need to do. But if we walk out and don't do it. If we walk out and don't share the gospel. If we walk out and those that we work with, we know they're not saved. And we don't do anything about it. We are not following the Great Commission. And all of that preaching, that great preaching that we hear is lost because we don't do, we just hear. All right, third ingredient. I'm going to move along, I promised. uh, Teaching is important in a great church. Acts chapter 11, verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. But they came to uh, Barnabas, went and got Paul, and they came to Antioch and they taught. Um, raise your hand if you think that new Christians need to be taught. It's very important; they need to be taught. Raise your hand if you think old Christians need to be taught. I think that's what happens often is people that have been in church for decades end up coming to church sitting there, I don't need I've heard all this before. If we if we have that attitude, um, obviously we're not going to learn anything. But that that's not the attitude God wants us to have. 2 Peter 3:18, but growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It doesn't say for the first 5 years. It's a command to grow in grace. So no matter how long we've been saved or how short of a time we've been saved, uh, we are commanded to grow. And we grow by, by being taught, by learning from teaching. And a, a, a great church should be preaching, but from the pulpit also there should be teaching. Um, I mentioned it before. You know, Some people love to hear a, a message where there's a lot of screaming and hollering, but not a lot gets said. Uh, but a good church should be teaching. We should, be, we should be coming to church and being fed. And I'll say this too, um, because every time I preach, it takes me a long time to put a message together. It's a lot of work. It's hard work. Nitton would know that. It's, it's the same as you know, putting any kind of a, a speech or a presentation together, but even more responsibility when it's coming from God's Word. But our pastor does that three times a week, four times a week sometimes. We need to be here, ready to hear, ready to learn, If you have to bring a a pen and paper and write it down and go back and and look at it again, we need to do that. It's it's our responsibility to grow in grace. The Bible doesn't tell the pastor, grow them in grace. It says we need to grow in grace. So we need to be uh, paying attention, listening, and gathering as much as we can when we're being taught. But it's very important uh, that a church has teaching in it. And it's not just teaching from from the pastor. We should be teaching Others. Remember in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2, that verse says that you teach, teach men so they can teach others also. He's not only talking to pastors. He's talking to mature Christians. They should be helping other Christians along uh, by teaching them. So that, that's how a new Christian knows how they need to be baptized or why they need to be baptized. That's how a new Christian learns to give and learns how to pray, learns how to Understands what the, Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit is. It's through teaching. All right, fourth ingredient, giving. And I'm, not, I'm just going to touch on this because jo, Brother Josh spent a whole Sunday morning in Sunday school uh, teaching on giving. But look at chapter 11, verse 27. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. I mean, think about this. At the end of chap, uh, verse 26, they were just called Christians. I mean, they're new Christians. They're newly saved and in verse 27 already, prophets come from Jerusalem. In verse 28, there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the spirit that there should be a great dearth or a famine throughout or a drought throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. In verse 29, then the disciples, every man according to his ability determined to send relief unto the brethren which dealt, dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. They were a giving church. And uh it, it's 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 so important that we give, but it's not important necessarily for the church. And Pastor says this all the time. It's important for us. It does our hearts good, it does our spiritual lives good to give sacrificially and watch God bless and watch God use that money to work in his church. Um To be a giving Christian is to, is to have the heart of God himself. John 3.16, he gave his only son. God is a giving God. And when we give, we are mimicking the heart of God. We are mimicking what Jesus Christ did for us. Um, and those that belong to Christ should be givers. And, and this is the first example we have in the Bible of a church helping another church. Now the church is brand new, we're in, we're in Acts, this is where it was started, but we have an example of a church helping another church, and that's what we're going to do when we go to Belize here in May. We're going to go down there, we're going to help another church, uh, get a building going because they have a need. Um, but we should be giving, that's the fourth ingredient. Fifth ingredient, we got three more, and, gonna, and they're going to be quick. But we already kind of mentioned it is a soul-winning church, but we should be a missions-minded church. That's the the fifth ingredient of a great church, missions-minded. Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 3, we already read it. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost, I keep saying and, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Uh, The local church Well, we have Acts chapter one verse eight. We know that verse uh, about receiving the power of the Holy Spirit after, uh, and and or receiving the power of the Holy Spirit and then going out as as and reaching our community, reaching the world. But we've got to be missions minded, and I I hope that, and I don't think it is, but I hope that none of our in our minds it's not, um, you know, some of the big churches will take care of that. We need to be, as a small church, to the best of our abilities, taking care of or taking on as many missionaries as we can. We're going to take on Nitton. That church is, we are going to have reports from Nitton of excitement, exciting things happening, of souls being saved. We just had that tonight with the uh, Quattacook, the Um souls being saved and exciting things happening. That's through our money. There's, we cannot go to Quebec. We probably couldn't get, even get in you know, with all the passports and different things that, or visas and things that we would need, but we could give our money and they can do that work. And we should be missions-minded. We should be excited when we hear those reports, not you know, pastor up here droning on and on about you know, something I'm not even interested in. We should be praying for them too. Uh, he mentions it all the time, you know, taking taking the prayer cards and going through that. That's what the prayer cards are for. It's not so we can, you know, uh, just you know take a piece of literature from them. It's so we can pray for them. That's why it's that's why it's called a prayer card. But um, the problem, unfortunately, not all churches are are that way. And and I wrote this down too. The local church, and we see this in uh, in verse. One, they had certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, was from Africa, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Herod, I'm assuming, was in, you know, with, in Rome. This was a diverse church. And I wrote this down. The local church should be as diverse as the community it sits in. And we are, I see, you know, you come on Sunday morning, you see all different colors, all different backgrounds. But uh, not all churches are that way, uh, but it should be. A unified body of believers of all races and ethnicities, just like it'll be in heaven. God, doesn't, God says it's, he's not a respecter of persons. He's not just saying, you know, he likes one better than the other. He's talking about for salvation. He respects no one person above another. If you believe in Jesus Christ for salvation, he will save you. And that's what a missions-minded church is after. Number six, sixth ingredient of a great church is prayer. It's a praying church. Chapter 13, verse 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said to them, Separate me, Barnabas, and Saul for the work. They were praying. They were trying to figure out what God wanted them to do. And as they prayed, the Holy Ghost led them. Um, and we just sang the song a couple Sundays ago. Uh, I'm a soldier winning battles by fighting on my knees. That's what we should be uh, in in this church. We can get all the other ingredients right. But if we're not cultivating a relationship with God on our knees and seeking the heart of God, we are shallow and powerless. And without power, we we have no uh, real effectiveness in soul winning. Um, We need that power and we do that. By cultivating a relationship with Christ. In our prayer closets. Number seven. And we're almost done. But this church. The seventh ingredient of a great church. Is it was unified. And if you look in. in uh, Ephesians chapter four. We're going to go there in a minute. But Ephesians chapter four. And that's the last passage we'll read. About how important it is for the church. To be unified. In the church in Antioch, we read nowhere in that church, and I'm sure they had their little issues here and there, but we read nowhere in there of strife that they had in that church because they were focused on giving. They were focused on sharing the gospel. They were focused on sending people out. They were focused on uh, their prayer lives. They were focused on all these other things, and when they were, uh, you don't hear any, of any strife in that church because they didn't care to use the cliche, what color the carpet was. They didn't care about that. They were interested in trying to figure out what the heart of God was and implementing that in their church. But they were unified, and we see that in in the church at Corinth, even in the church at Galatia. They had major issues amongst each other, Um, but not the church at Antioch. They they implemented these ingredients into their church, and God blessed it. And I just wrote a few things down, but there is nothing in a local church full of imperfect, flawed people that we shouldn't be able to have enough grace to forgive the other person for. Um, But there's nothing quite like a church that has the fellowship in a church and the unity in a church of people that are being gracious to, to one another, forgiving to one another, that are practicing and showing the fruit of the Spirit, uh, patience and kindness toward each other. Uh, it brings sweet, genuine fellowship, and that's a, a, an important ingredient of a great church. Maybe not the most important, but very important. Actually, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, we'll read this, and then we'll be done. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He's not saying, overlook sins, do whatever you've got to do to keep the unity, to keep the peace. But he is saying, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, that's how you keep unity esteeming another better than yourselves, and having that unity. And when we're unified in giving, when we're unified in praying, when we're unified in sending out missionaries, when we're unified in all of these other ingredients, then that church can go forward as a great church. It's not the size of the church. Uh, It's not the music in the church. It's not even necessarily the preaching in the church. God uses the foolishness of preaching, and sometimes it's not the most exciting preaching even, but it's solid and it's biblical and it's what we need to hear, and that's what God uses to produce for him a glorious church without spot or wrinkle that he talks about uh, that he's going to come and get one day. But I I hope if we apply these ingredients just like a, a nice, soft, Freshly baked cake. The church will be something that's actually bringing glory and honor to God. Instead of just ourselves. Or maybe sometimes we don't even bring glory to ourselves. When we're fighting amongst ourselves. And you know there's cliques. And all this other. We can have a great church. I pray that it would be said that of Mount Victory. We're a great church. By the grace of God. If we implement these things. They're all biblical. We should be doing all of them. And we can go forward. Uh. Together in the work of Christ. All right, let's pray. And then Pastor will come up here. Father, I thank you for this day again that you've given us. God, I thank you for how you care for us. God, I thank you for how you provide for us as our families, as our church. And God, I thank you, most importantly, for for dying on the cross for us. God, I pray as we looked at these things in your word of what your church should be doing, and God, I, I believe that to the best of our ability, we are. There's always things that we can get better at. We can, uh, we can definitely be better in our prayer lives and in, in cultivating our relationship with you. But God, as we strive to do these things and strive to implement these things in our church, I pray that you would bless it, that you would uh, get all the glory and honor from anything that is accomplished here, from all the souls that are saved. God, that's what we're after is uh, bringing as many as we can to heaven with us. Uh, and that's what you command us to do. So, God, I pray as we go from here that you would help us to apply these things and that you would help this church to be, in your eyes, a great church. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We don't normally have an invitation on Wednesday night, but in a message like that, I want to give you an opportunity. So let's go ahead and stand in our seats with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Maybe, maybe one of those ingredients is something that you were convicted about needing to work on as he preached. Um, I think as a church uh, as a whole we, we do pretty well with these things um, but the only reason the church as a whole does well is because people are doing them and maybe the Lord convicted you about something that you need to do better something that you need to work on something that you uh, need His help to, uh, to, to uh, do a better job fulfilling in the church so as the panel plays the invitation is open God's spoken to your heart